Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the 26th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who manifest your almighty power above all by pardoning and showing mercy. Bestow, we pray, your grace abundantly upon us, and make those hastening to attain your promises heirs to the treasures of heaven. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the prophet Amos. The Almighty Lord says this, Woe to those ensconced so snugly in Zion, and those who feel so safe on the mountain of Samaria, lying on ivory beds and sprawling on their divans. They dine on lambs from the flock and stall fattened veal. They bawl to the sound of the harp. They invent new instruments of music like David. They drink wine by the bowlful and use the finest oil for anointing themselves. But about the ruin of Joseph, they do not care at all. That is why they will be the first to be exiled. The sprawler's revelry is over. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Praise the Lord, my soul. Praise the Lord, my soul. It is the Lord who keeps faith forever, who is just to those who are oppressed. It is he who gives bread to the hungry, the Lord who sets prisoners free. Praise the Lord, my soul. It is the Lord who gives sight to the blind, who raises up those who are bowed down. It is the Lord who loves the just, the Lord who protects the stranger. Praise the Lord, my soul. He upholds the widow and orphan, but thwarts the path of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever, Zion's God, from age to age. Praise the Lord, my soul. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to Timothy. As a man dedicated to God, you must aim to be saintly and religious, filled with faith and love, patient and gentle. Fight the good fight of the faith and win for yourself eternal life to which you accord when you made your profession and spoke up for the truth in front of many witnesses. Now before God, the source of all life, and before Jesus Christ, who spoke up as a witness for the truth in front of Pontius Pilate, I put to you the duty of doing all that you have been told, with no faults or failures, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who at the due time will be revealed by God, the blessed and only ruler of all, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal, whose home is in inaccessible light, whom no man has seen and no man is able to see. To him be honour and everlasting power. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Jesus Christ was rich, but he became poor, to make you rich out of his poverty. 
Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the Pharisees, There was a rich man who used to dress in purple and fine linen and feast magnificently every day. And at his gate there lay a poor man called Lazarus, covered in sores, who longed to fill himself with the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Dogs even came and licked his sores. Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In his torment in Hades, he looked up and saw Abraham a long way off with Lazarus in his bosom. So he cried out, Father Abraham, pity me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. My son, Abraham replied, remember that during your life good things came your way, just as bad things came the way of Lazarus. Now he is being comforted here, while you are in agony. But that is not all. Between us and you, a great gulf has been fixed to stop anyone, if he wanted to, crossing from our side to yours, and to stop anyone crossing from your side to ours. The rich man replied, Father, I beg you then to send Lazarus to my father's house, since I have five brothers, to give them warning so that they do not come to this place of torment too. They have Moses and the prophets, said Abraham. Let them listen to them. Ah, no, Father Abraham, said the rich man. But if someone comes to them from the dead, they will repent. Then Abraham said to him, If they will not listen either to Moses or to the prophets... They will not be convinced, even if someone should rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So the parable we've heard today presents us with two different characters. Um, The first character is unnamed, but tradition has come to know the rich man as dives. But that's just the Latin word for rich man. (laughs) But in any case, Dives, he's accustomed to dining sumptuously and wearing purple garments and fine linen. I suppose if we were to translate Dives into our contemporary setting, he's he's a high roller. He might wear tailored bespoke suits, or at the very least, designer off the rack. He goes to the finest restaurants each night. He's living in the lap of luxury. Interestingly, the other character in the parable is named... He's Lazarus, and Lazarus sits at the gate of the rich man's house, begging. He's covered in sores. He's so poor that he can't receive any medical treatment, and he's so weak that he can't even shoo the dogs away. Perhaps Lazarus is the kind of person we might walk past in the city, collecting cans or bottles from the rubbish bin. So we have two different characters And we also have two different scenes in the parable. There's the historical scene where Dives is in his mansion and Lazarus, starving, is at the doorstep. Dives is full to the gills and Lazarus is longing to eat the scraps that fall from his table. 
And then the scene shifts at the moment of the deaths of the two characters. And it's interesting to note the little detail that the rich man was buried, but there's actually no mention of Lazarus getting a burial. The tomb was a luxury only for the wealthy and the poor weren't able to afford to be remembered in death. So we then flash forward to the eternal scene and there's a complete reversal. We hear that Lazarus is reclining in the bosom of Abraham. Now, this is a reference to being at a banquet. Instead of sitting at tables and sitting on chairs, the Jews would recline on couches And now we see Lazarus at the banquet table with Abraham. In fact, right next to Abraham. Dives, on the other hand, is outside the banquet, just like Lazarus used to be. And where Lazarus longed for a crumb from the table of the rich man, now the rich man longs for a drop of water from Lazarus. And what's disconcerting here is that We've passed from the historical scene before death to the definitive eternity after it. While they were both still on earth, there was the possibility of crossing from one side to the other. Dives could go to meet Lazarus on the doorstep, no problem. And Lazarus could get into the banquet in the rich man's house. Then the gulf between the rich man and the poor man could be bridged. But eternity is definitive. And there's no more crossing back and forth. Dives has missed his opportunity. And we see the conditions of these two men has swapped. And forever. Dives is in an eternal and irrevocably wretched state. So much so that the only thing which he can hope for is that his friends and family don't suffer the same fate. And so he asks Abraham to send them a warning. And here comes the truly devastating reply from Abraham. They have Moses and the prophets. They've got more than enough to know better than just to step over Lazarus every time they enter the family mansion. You can't honestly plead ignorance, it just won't cut it. Which brings the upshot to the rich man. You had the same too, didn't you? You had Moses and the prophets. And you didn't listen. In this parable, we learn something about God. He's just. There's no question that our Father is merciful and forgiving. But he also hears the cry of the poor. It's a perpetual theme in the Old Testament, also in the New. The reading from the prophet Amos speaks in the way in which the wealthy in Israel feed off the poor. Listen again. Lying on ivory beds and sprawling on their divans, they dine on lambs from the flock and stall fattened veal. They bawl at the sound of the harp. That's why they will be the first to be exiled. The sprawler's revelry is over. God is the great bringer of justice, and he reverses fortunes. This is actually echoed by Mary in that great song of praise that she sings of God when she visits her cousin Elizabeth, the Magnificat. Remember this. He puts forth his arm in strength and scatters the proud-hearted. He casts the mighty from their thrones and raises the lowly. He fills the starving with good things 
sends the rich away empty. God is indeed just. And we see this taken up by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in his great Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We see in the parable a beautiful expression of God's love for the poor and his burning desire to put things right. So the parable encourages us then to hear and to listen once again to Moses and the prophets, to attend to the gospel anew, so that we might not miss our opportunity to be brought to the bosom of Abraham. And so we need to be the workers of God's justice here on earth, or risk being the recipients of God's justice in the definitive life to come. But what I think this parable is also trying to encourage us to do is to flip the question of the rich and the poor on its head. Typically, when we look at charity and doing charitable work, we do so out of the motivation that the poor need us. Let's face it, in the view of the entire world population, we are among the wealthiest on the planet. And we look at the faces of the poor and we determine that they need us. And indeed, this is true. In justice, the poor have a claim on us because they're in need. But I think what Jesus is doing in the parable is also to articulate how much the rich need the poor. Dives, the rich man, had the means of his salvation lying on his doorstep. But instead he decided to dine sumptuously. If we look rationally at the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, we would have to acknowledge that even despite the abject sufferings of Lazarus, these sufferings are but for a time. The sufferings of the rich man in the flames goes on forever. So here's the question. Who really needs who? Isn't it so that the rich man is, in fact, far more in need of help from Lazarus than Lazarus is in need of the rich man? I'm sure you'd all know Bishop Robert Barron. And I'm not afraid to say it. I steal from Bishop Robert Barron's homilies without remorse. Uh, And this was one that struck me. He tells a wonderful story about Cardinal Francis George. He's he's died now, but he used to be the Archbishop of Chicago. And you may remember that Bishop Robert Barron was a priest of Chicago. Anyway, Cardinal George was meeting a group of benefactors who were supporting Catholic charities. These were kind of the uber-wealthy of Chicago who were supporting the mission of the church. And rightly, he thanked them for their generosity. He reminded these wealthy donors that the poor need the rich to get them out of poverty. But, said Cardinal George, you need the poor in order to get you out of hell. (laughs) That's a little story, but it packs a punch. We need to be workers of God's justice here on earth or risk being the victims of God's justice for eternity. Now, this isn't supposed to make us afraid of God. No. But it is to redress the balance between the rich and the poor. We must do what the rich man in the parable regretted never doing, 
We must come out of our mansions and recognize how needy we are before the poor. They will be the ones to help the rich to enter into the banquet of heaven. It's an uneasy gospel. And if Dives were able to have the last word, I suspect he'd say something like this. Listen again to Moses and the prophets and act with justice. Because with each Lazarus you meet, God is presenting you with the opportunity for salvation. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.